Welcome to the Vancouver Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Ogrizik. Let's find out what's happening at the Vancouver Public Library, the first part of January 2018. Hi, I'm Simon from the Vancouver Public Library's Inspiration Lab, located at the Central Library downtown. Come visit the Inspiration Lab, where there are studios to record sound and video, and high-performance computers to edit your audio, video, and graphic design projects. All this is free to use with your library card. You can also check out these upcoming free events at the library. All about the Inspiration Lab, Friday, January 5th, 2 p.m. Are you curious about making movies, creating a podcast, or editing photos? What about publishing your own book or ebook? You can do all of this and much more in the Inspiration Lab. Come learn about the creative possibilities. Turn Memories into Movies, Part 1, Tuesday, January 9th, 2 p.m. Learn how you can tell the story of a family member, bring together family history, or just share a vacation adventure. It's up to you. Get hands-on experience digitizing, creating, and editing media to help turn your memories into movies. Real Stories, Developing an Idea for Film, Wednesday, January 10th, 1 p.m. From personal stories, to marketing videos, to social and environmental films, it all starts with an idea and a dream. Award-winning documentary filmmaker Julia Ivanova leads this four-hour workshop where participants learn how to develop a successful, achievable film or video project idea. For more events, visit vpl.ca slash events. And to find out more about the Inspiration Lab, visit vpl.ca slash inspiration lab. And we're here with our special guest, Angela Griffin, CTO of Glance. Thank you for joining us, Angela. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, maybe a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. Um, I got a, a computer science degree at UBC, and then I was went straight into development. I worked for a very small company at the beginning, um, and I just kind of handled all of their tech at the time. Uh, that was when the internet was just getting going. So that was like, I was working with the very first visual studio and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that was really fun. And then I stayed with them for a long time. And eventually, by the time I left there, I was CTO of their their small company. Um, and then I did some sort of projects and work on my own or with my husband, who's very involved in tech as well. And uh, then we kind of came up together with this idea of Glance and uh, started working on that. Wow. Okay. So that that sounds pretty cool. Let's um uh let's go back to the the first company you said when the internet was just sort of getting started. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I shouldn't say just started. It was it had gotten going for a while, and it was now popular to put things on the internet. But Visual Studio was very new, and that whole concept of doing software sort of on the internet um, that was new. And of course, you know, JavaScript was difficult, and <laughs> and just that trying to deal with state was was such a problem because there's now so much to help with it. Um, but at the time, it was just such a pain, and all this the tools you would use in Visual Studio. So it was it was challenging, and especially, of course, you know, when you come out of university, you learn all these wonderful things, but they don't apply to what you need <laughs> when you start your job. So, uh, but it was a good learning experience, and it was fun. Very cool. So what what sorts of things were you building at the time? So what this company did is they built uh, assessments for uh, personality assessments. So basically what we would do is we would we created just this online software that would allow distributors to manage accounts that then they would these accounts would go out and they could 
perform these assessments on people, which would all be online. And this was when online was just getting popular. So it was, it was kind of fun. And it, we were coming from a really old fashioned software where you had dongles and you had all these other things. So it was a big change from what was before. That's pretty interesting. Um, something that, that I find quite fascinating is uh, about software development. On the one hand, there's all the technologies to learn and the tooling to kind of either work with or against or whatever. Uh, but then on the other hand, there's also the, the domain and the familiarity with that. So you, you, you said in that case, you were doing um, personality assessments. So mm -hmm. that must have been a pretty interesting domain to, oh, yeah. to be working in. Yeah, it was very interesting. And it was also international. So we had to do it in a lot of different languages. And, you know, I had to had to write it to be to, to work with an Arabic script and stuff like that. So that was really interesting because very different. You know, you're, you're right to left instead of left to right. <laughs> yeah. That that is quite interesting. So, um, was there was there much of a sort of cultural conflict with the types of questions being asked, or any differences or provisions for that? Um, there would be. I mean, from there's a whole sort of science behind personality assessments and what's uh, what's considered culturally appropriate, etc. Um, I think these were pretty uh, generic questions, so they didn't get into too much trouble, sort of cultural. It was more, it would almost be sort of more mathematical, and then also more trying to understand uh, relations to other people and how you deal with other people. And I think they, they did a pretty good job at keeping it neutral. I kind of thought that, you know, oftentimes with intelligence sort of tests, there's a lot of uh, mathematics used. And I think that's often because it's um, it's pretty, it's relatively easy to test for, mm -hmm. uh, whereas other things might be very... Yeah, it's a little bit less subjective. Well, a lot less subjective. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that sounds quite interesting. And you were there long enough to go from that being your first job to CTO. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. That's quite a, a transition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it was, as I said, it's a small company, um, but definitely the longer I was there, the more knowledge I gained, and it just became natural for me to move into that role. Um, they were they were not uh, they had the personality assessments. Their expertise was in the assessment itself and the science and the psychology behind that. But from a technical perspective, um, that was m more difficult for them. So it's just natural for me to move into that role because it was needed. <laughs> I've heard some pretty interesting uh, descriptions of different roles. Uh, what is, in your opinion, at least, what is the role of a CTO? All right. Uh, so for me, a CTO is a sort of managing that sort of uh, where you want to go with development, what your overall plan is um, for developing. And then depending, of course, on the size of your organization, you also get in, you might get your hands dirty in the actual development work. You're definitely working on architecture. And then if you have a really big company, you're probably spending most of your time managing. So it sort of depends on the size of the company and the scope of what you're doing. But definitely you're helping to direct the company in terms of what you want to accomplish uh, on the technology side. What about uh, team growth? Yes, definitely. That's very important. And uh, yeah, that's sort of that more managerial sort of HR side is how getting your team together, making sure that they're excited moving forward, making sure all your developers love what they're doing <laughs> so that they want to keep doing it and that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's a big part of it for sure. Very interesting. Um, so let's talk a little more about uh, about Glance. Can you tell us what, what is Glance all about? Sure. Okay. So um, Glance, Glance Pay is an app that... Uh, sort of my husband and I conceived of uh, a couple of years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, and we started to work on it sort of on the side sort of thing. Um, the idea was my husband, uh, Desmond Griffin, he actually uh, ran Pay by Phone, which was a company that did mobile payments uh, for parking. 
and uh, he he did well with that company. He eventually sold it. Um, so he was also kind of doing projects. And one of the things he had always wondered about is, I wonder if you could take mobile payments into the restaurant space because there's a lot of wait time there. Um, so the idea was, you know, how how can you best tackle that problem in the restaurant? What's the major problem that we can tackle? And what it was is that that moment when you receive the bill from the from the waitress or the server, and you're trying to wait for her to come back with a credit card machine, which is in some ways uniquely Canadian because even the States, they don't have the, the chip and pin yet. So you don't always have to wait for that machine, but they're starting to get it. But anyway, so once it comes back, um, it can take like eight minutes or 10 minutes for that. Or more sometimes. Or more. And so what we were like, well, just to make it simple, let's just take a picture of it, you know, process it. And then, and then uh, they pay directly from their phone. And then that goes to the, to, to the restaurant. They see the payment and you can leave. <laughs> so that's the kind of vertical, that's the kind of direct thing we were tackling. And it, we got good response for it. It, uh, it did well. <laughs> what was the, um, I can imagine that a lot of the, the systems that are used for, I guess, banking or in restaurants are sort of closed systems and they don't want to, to be friendly or play nice with, uh, with these sorts of outside apps. What sort of hurdles would you have had on that side? Yeah, I guess that's it's the the tricky part, right? And so what we've tried to do is just uh, make it as uh, independent as we can and that we don't have to rely on these other systems or integrating with these other systems. So we've done it as well as we could. Um, You know, at some point, integration obviously is ideal, but there are a lot of systems out there, especially for the restaurant industry. And, you know, trying to tackle them all may be a bit of a beast, but definitely... Um, we are starting to do that now, now that we've been around for a while and built ourselves up. Um, that's the next step is to sort of get really integrated and make it super easy. But we have come up with a system that works uh, with the servers and the restaurants where, uh, you know, integration isn't necessary at that level. And most of them are perfectly happy with it and they don't find a need to go that step further. Um, so it's worked pretty well. <laughs> From the uh, technical perspective, what are some of the, the fintech problems uh, or um, I guess challenges in in uh, developing this type of app. So maybe you could just by fintech you mean like uh, financial related or? Yeah, I I I I wasn't sure if I should say fintech or not <laughs> there, but uh, I guess the payment systems. Um, so I guess there is some uh, some fintech relation there. Yeah, I, but we do payment processing, so we connect to. Um, uh, Right now, we connect to one of the biggest payment processors in Canada that's already doing payment processing, which is Moneris. And so it hasn't been too much of a challenge there because we just connect to their API. Um, And they've been around for a long time. So really, we haven't had too much challenge (laughs) in terms of fintech. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Um, Then what about, you mentioned before, making sure that developers really love their job uh, and love what they're doing. What are some ways uh, that you're able to do that? Well, I think one of the neat things about what we're doing is we do try to get the cutting edge technology or try the newest stuff. Um, We're working with apps, which, you know, developers tend to uh, enjoy that, um, working with that technology. And also we're looking at other technologies, always like um, the whole blockchain technology and all that sort of stuff and how we can incorporate it into our business. Um, And so what we try to do is we always try to make sure that we're doing interesting projects that developers will enjoy working on. And, you know, with the agile development method- methodology, you always keep your projects nice and short so nothing becomes massive and painful. 
when it comes to payment processing, um, I guess, as you said, you know, you're using uh, a third party service or kind of interfacing with their API. However, I would still wonder, um, are there problems uh, with, for example, identity management or uh, identity verification and yeah. kind of the idea of what that even means? Yes, for sure. That's a great question. And actually, we've we've come up with a system that for us um, has actually meant that in the last 10 months we've had no fraud, no chargebacks. Um, we've come up with a way to sort of do identity, identity verification um, that works really well and we're really happy with the process that we came up with. So uh, yeah, that's something obviously we have to deal with separate from the payment processor because we're just sending them information. So, But uh, what we've chosen to do um, has worked really well and we want to expand on that and uh, use it in more areas. Sounds pretty pretty fascinating. Um, I mean, I think the past probably two, three, maybe four months almost, maybe not even, I, probably three months now, um, I've been really, really interested in blockchain mm-hmm. uh, and sort of, you know, the, um, the problems that uh, can be solved with blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think right now there's a lot of hype, obviously, around it, but um, there, but there's also some really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward, say, over the next year, two years, five years, uh, what sort of areas or problems do you see um, working on that might be related to, to blockchain that would also be interesting? Yeah, um, I think uh, because we're involved in payments, there's a lot of possible application there to how you uh, use a blockchain or a decentralized system. Um, blockchain is really fascinating. It's exciting for all our developers. <laughs> and uh, we also see it as a potential, um, I think one of the things we've been talking about is figuring out how to have a, a reward type cr- cryptocurrency um, that could potentially be used by other systems um, that would allow people to sort of pull their reward you know, the reward points out of whatever they're stuck in. Um, and to start, we wanted to implement that with Glance so that we'd have a rewards uh, system that basically anytime anybody used Glance, they'd receive sort of Glance rewards that would be attached to a cryptocurrency, which could then be sold on a market. So it just gives a different way to do points where it's not totally stuck with your existing um, your existing platform, whatever that happens to be. Um, so that's one way to apply it. But then we're looking too at how do you decentralize more stuff um, that you do so that it's not reliant on our server. So we're kind of looking at both angles of how do we make it more also approachable for a lot of individuals. Uh, wallets, Ethereum wallets, all these sort of things, they're still quite difficult, quite technical. So we want to look at how do we make that easier for people while still getting the benefits of, of blockchain. <laughs> a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of interesting problems to sort of think through and um, conceptually sort of wrap our heads around uh, when it comes to this decentralization. Um, so what about currently? What is the, what's the current tech stack and what, what would a day in the life uh, of a developer be like at Glance? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Um, so we have developers that focus on obviously different areas. We have our iOS developers, our Android developers, and then we have our backend developers. And then there we try to figure out how we're going to make our product better at all times. So, um, you know, whether it's, uh, trying to go after pre-ordering to satisfy part of that market so that you could be in a restaurant and you could you know, you're waiting for the waitress, but instead you could just order that second beer instead of having to wait for her to finally come back to the table. So little things like that, that we can improve the whole experience. We're also looking at how do we take our payment processing and apply it to other merchants so that we're not just looking at the vertical of restaurants, but we're looking at, you know, clothing, retail shops and, you know, pet stores and whatever else and how, how they can benefit from our rewards program and 
the sort of uh, simplicity of just paying by your phone all the time, but also having that information stored where um, I think with Apple Pay or some of those other systems, you're just paying. Whereas with us, it's more of a collection of information. There's marketing in there. There's coupons. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's more like a relationship that you build with the merchants that you like. That does sound pretty interesting. So uh, what can you talk a little about the uh, backend and the backend stack? Yeah, um, so we're we're using .NET <laughs> and we're using SQL Server, and that's what we we're uh, most familiar in. Um, but we constantly looking at new technologies, and obviously there's so many new things coming out. Um, there's a lot of AI stuff coming out, so we're starting to, you know, research that uh, how you can use uh, sort of uh, the neural network to to help us do what we do. Um, so there's lots of interesting th- things to explore in the back end. <laughs> what are um, what are some considerations when deciding what sort of uh, technologies and, and tooling to use? Um, I guess that's that will generally be a group decision, and it'll really be a matter of sort of laying out the pros and cons, um, the benefits of both, and seeing which uh, which direction is the best to go in. Definitely, if something's been used a lot and it's got a lot of support behind it, that helps. Um, but sometimes the technology is so new, you don't have that, and then you just have to pick. <laughs> um, so we do the best that we feel like we can, but we definitely always be be wanting to look at those new technologies and keep bringing them in uh, because it's very exciting, all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, and I think right now, I mean, you mentioned a couple of pretty interesting ones, AI mm-hmm. and, uh, and blockchain, mm-hmm. um, and maybe a, a combination of the two. I don't mm-hmm. know if we can get much more buzzwordy than that right now, <laughs> but... Um, but definitely some interesting and fun times uh, ahead. So is the is the team um, fully based in Vancouver? Yes, our development team is. It's all in-house, so that's great. <laughs> I really love I love that. Um, I feel like developers, I know people can work remotely, and, I, you know, it's great to work remotely, but there's something really awesome when you're, you're sitting next to a developer and you're working with them. Um, I feel like the ideas flow really well that way. Yeah, I, I read actually an interesting thing on um, LinkedIn today. I think it was one of the co-founders of Banff uh, wrote something about um, not wanting people to work remote because uh, they're considering all of the people that they work with as friends. And if you have a friend, you want to be with that friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that, that was kind of interesting. Um, and I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's better to be friends with people on your team or to be not friends, but just have a professional working relationship. Um, I'm not sure. Actually, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I guess I find that uh, friendships do help. I feel like if people feel like they're your friends, they're more likely to ask you questions. They're more likely to say, you know, I'm having trouble in this area or I don't know what to do here. Um, they're more likely to speak up when you have something going on and that you're, you know, like up, up for conversation. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you tend to be a quiet person then having a friendship is much easier, uh, it sort of depends on the person. Of course, some people talk easily, even remotely. <laughs> so I suppose my, my hesitation, uh, with that was, you know, if you have a group of friends, do you now have a click or a, a culture that is exclusive? Um, and, and that's where I wonder is, you know, I, I kind of often, um, Think about some things like when we look at different systems. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Netflix is kind of famous for having a, a chaos monkey, but of course they care about resiliency. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on what you care about, but I, <laughs> I often think, you know, should we have uh, a company where we purposely hire someone who's not a cultural fit from time to time to, to shake up the culture? 
That's interesting. Yeah. I, I guess when we're when I'm thinking of friends, I'm thinking of a more looser term, like not necessarily that we'd all go out always together and do stuff together. More friend, like we all agree and love developing and that that brings us together. That's our common connection. Um, whether or not, you know, we're all going to hang out and do, you know, spend our weekends together. I don't know. Um, so I guess it depends on the level of friendship we're, we're thinking about. But definitely, I think that when you're looking at cultural fit, yeah, you don't want to make it too like everybody's the exact same because then you don't get those different ideas in. You want people to be different enough, right? I think. Yeah, I think that like team dynamics and uh, sort of um, social engineering, I mm. guess, is it's pretty tough. And, but it kind of goes back to that, you know, that, that personality um, stuff and the psychology behind that. So I can imagine that having uh, some domain expertise in that and, and being able to spend time working in that area to be quite helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, as because we're a startup, um, once you get to a certain size, of course, the, you're probably going to be dealing with more of that stuff. I and mean, we're still really small. Everybody's got a lot of hats they can wear. The developers are really happy. Like there's a lot, it's a very different dynamic than you'd get in a really big company. I suspect. <laughs> That's true. And I guess um, as, as, companies grow uh you have different changes in the culture as well yeah i would expect yeah how, how would you describe the culture uh, at glanceville i think it's pretty fun culture we're we're a great team we're very excited about what we're doing um whether it's just the developers or it's the marketing team or whatever we have you know we usually do something social every week or because usually there's a birthday or something that's happening and we're going out and doing that um but we all have a really good time and you know hanging out together uh, we don't have a, a, a real hierarchical system. It's very sort of everybody gets involved. Everybody's a team member. Um, you know, you have your voice and your opinion, and it's important. And so that makes it really fun. And I mean, from my perspective, every developer, every person that we bring in has so much to offer that, you know, you never want to pretend that you know more than them because it's not the case. <laughs> so that makes it a really fun environment. So here's, a, a I guess, an interesting question. We see in um, in Vancouver, there's a lot of, I think, pretty interesting uh, tech companies and um, some really cool places. But there's also, uh, it's kind of hard to find really great people um, to come and work on a a team because sometimes, you know, uh, great, not sometimes, I think almost all the time, a lot of people have really good jobs or they have something interesting already happening. So why would they want to come over? Uh, over and work with us or be our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a pretty interesting challenge. But then on the other hand, we also have um, a lot of uh, up-and-coming junior developers who are very eager to just get into any team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might not really know where good places are to go mm-hmm. or what they're going to learn or what sort of experience um, going to one place versus another, uh, what difference that might make for them and for their career and for their expectations. Um, what sort of role can uh, startups take in uh, in helping to develop uh, a junior-friendly culture? That's a bit tricky um, because I'd say from, from our perspective at, at our current size, we do have to kind of tend to hire more senior developers. We don't have the resources yet to, to properly mentor junior developers. And so um, that being said, I hope that we get to a point where we can start to do that um, because I think that that's really nice to have that. Um, so I'm not sure what a startup can do to help get those juniors on board. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's interesting to say, um, like, we don't have the resources because I, I think on the one hand, you know, um, can I can I afford uh, a senior level developer to spend the next month or two months not doing any development work, but just onboarding somebody mm-hmm. or, or teaching um, maybe best practices or 
whatever it is, uh, it, it, it feels like a huge investment. And it is a, a pretty big investment, isn't it? I think it's definitely one worth doing. Um, I think, uh, because we've just, we've gotten to a point recently where we've just kind of expanded. Um, it's, it's really important that we tackle all those projects and then, uh, and then we can start to look at really building a team that's more, uh, it's got, got a bit of everything, right? If I were to sort of look at a roadmap, um, from, uh, from sort of hacking together an idea to building out a product, mm-hmm. I might have different milestones, such as we started writing tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started, um, automating the build and deploy process. Mm-hmm. We started uh, monitoring and defining our, our value chains and mm-hmm. caring about how we get there mm-hmm. and, and refining our pro- uh, processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know where, uh, when it necessarily makes sense to invest in those things, but mm-hmm. if, if we don't, eventually we have a, a big mess at, mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. that requires more, pro- more resources to throw at it. Um, would you agree with those sort of those steps? And yeah, I think those are good steps. I think, of course, once you are doing things, um, you know, you you choose one thing over the other. Or sometimes you go further in one direction than another, um, just because it makes sense in that particular instance. So as much as there's, it's good to have a process. So you have to be a bit flexible to to adjust that process to the particular project or the circumstance. Um, definitely, we spend a lot of time listening to both our investors and our um, and our clients or our merchants and the sort of the sort of stuff they need. And that often will pull us in a direction. And as long as we all agree that it's a good direction to go in, then we'll start doing it. And yeah, sometimes it, it's a matter of just finding that small piece. We can quickly build, get it out there and see what feedback we get. Um, and sometimes it's something where you got to get more information in and you got to take your time about it and have more of a process. So it really depends on how big it is and how, how much of an impact it might have. Um, will determine how we treat it, I guess. <laughs> There's no uh, sort of straightforward, simple answer to complex problems. There? <laughs> <laughs> there really isn't. <laughs> okay, well, that, that sounds really great. So if I want to find out more uh, about uh, Glad Pay, the app, or, or the team, mm-hmm. what would be some good places to look? Yeah, well, definitely the website. Uh, we've got the Glance Technologies is a sort of our parent company, and it's the one that's public. Um, and then Glance Pay is the app and the pay- mobile payment system. And they're both available. Um, they both got websites. It's glance.tech uh, or glancepay.com. And, of course, we've, we've got a very uh, strong social media presence. So Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all those things. Angela Griffin, CTO of Glance Technologies. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for being on this episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Thanks so much, Drew. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YVR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Devs. Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.